Today we conclude our series, Rhythm. All month long, we've been discovering the rhythms of a believer's life, getting in rhythm with what the Bible says about living out God's best for our lives. And this entire series is come out of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that says this, Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. But instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what He wants from you, and then quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. But God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. The rhythms of a believer. Don't get into the rhythm of culture, the rhythm of the way the world does things, but get in the rhythm of what God says for the best of our lives, living it out as a believer. In week one, we talked about the rhythms of prayer and talking to Jesus, and we talked about the rhythms of Scripture. And I want to encourage you and challenge you. If you're not in the Bible every day, get in the Bible every single day. You can download the YouVersion Bible app for your device. You can do the one-year Bible. It'll take you about 15 minutes a day to do reading every day that it gives you, and then at the end of the year, you will have completed the entire Bible in one year. If that seems overwhelming and you need to start somewhere small, get yourself a devotion. Read something every day to get yourself in the rhythm of Scripture. It's so important. Last week, we talked about the rhythm of community, the fact that we're made to live life together. And we talked about really how to go deeper in our community, how to be challenged by our community, how we can have more intimate relationships that challenge us and push us to be what community really is. And then today, I titled your message, The Rhythm is Going to Get You. Maybe you remember that song uh, back in the day, The Rhythm is Going to Get You. Today, I'm going to talk to you about worship, the rhythm of worship in our life, because I believe that's the rhythm that should get us, because that's what gets the heart of God, the rhythm of worship in our life. Now, when we talk about worship, many of you are already thinking in different contexts. Some of you were raised in church, so you begin to think about church in terms of worship. But in reality, it's not just a church thing. We are people prone to worship. We like to worship famous people, politicians. We worship actors. We worship musicians. We worship our families, our children. We worship people maybe that we look up to. We even create ways in our culture to find things to worship. Uh, many people will watch uh, American Idol. I'm still an American Idol fan. Many of you are watching The Voice, America's Got Talent, or you name it, one of the hundred different talent shows on television looking for the next big thing to get our attention and to get our love, to get our appreciation, someone that we can worship. Here in the South, football is one of those things. Roll Tide or War Eagle, that right there. Just those two phrases sparks emotion, it sparks passion. Some of you are so fired up, you will dance, you will jump, you will sing, you'll give your money when it comes to the worship of sports in our life. But what really is worship? We think of worship maybe as a, a genre of music. In the Christian culture, we can think there's rock music, there's hip-hop, there's country music, and then maybe you have your worship music, your playlist. But it's not that at all. Worship is a rhythm of our life. And today, I really want to unpack 
what it means to really have the rhythm of worship in your life. And I want to share a story with you out of Scripture. It's one of the most controversial stories that are in the Bible. It's really an incredible moment of a woman who approaches Jesus and really she breaks all the rules in her interaction with Jesus, but she is showing an expression of her worship. And today, I want us to pray that God would help us and encourage us so that the rhythm will get us the rhythm of worship. So Father, thank you for all of our friends watching online. I pray today for all of us that we would be able to receive from your word, that it would challenge us and that it would change us, make us the people you want us to be through the power of your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. So take a look at the screen. I have some scripture for you. I want to read this story to you. It's several verses long, so bear with me. But it's out of Luke chapter 7, and this is what it says. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home, and he sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman, maybe underline that, a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him, this is Jesus, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Aren't we that way sometimes where we're a little judgmental at what we see? We judge a book by its cover. But then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off of my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. In other words, you didn't come into this place to give me the best. You came to give me the rest. But I tell you, her sins, and they are many, I have been forgiven. Those sins have been forgiven. So she has shown me so much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. You see, when this woman walked into the room, when she busted up in the middle of a dinner party that she wasn't invited to, the Bible says a certain immoral woman, you know the type of person, the, the type of person that maybe they walk in the room and you pull your kids to the side and you say, hey, come over here, baby, I need you to stay close to me. Or you look at your friends that are around you and go, yeah, I think that's her, I, I think that's them. It's a certain immoral woman who had a reputation. She wasn't invited, she did not belong there. But when she arrived, she changed the whole composure, the whole atmosphere, or the environment of this room. Just by walking in, and her actions began to shape this entire room. She began to do things for Jesus that no one else had done. You see, it wasn't just her actions that changed everything. It was the intimacy that she had with Jesus. It was the worship that she brought through her actions. In this 
insane story, this very controversial moment of this immoral woman breaking into a dinner party, getting in the middle of a conversation, a dinner, a moment with Jesus, she changed everything. And there are some things that I believe that we can learn today about the rhythm of worship from the actions of this woman. And I want you to grab your notes. They're on the screen. Maybe grab a pen, paper where you are if you can, and begin to write this down. I want to give you a few things that worship is. And the first thing to write down is worship is bowing. Write down the word bowing. Worship is bowing. The Bible says she knelt behind him at his feet weeping. You see, the act of bowing goes back for centuries. It's an act of respect. It's an act of honor. It's an act of submission. And when this woman came to Jesus, she immediately began to recognize who he was as the Son of God by bowing herself low to the ground and submitting herself to Jesus. You see, she began to honor who she was. In that moment, it was an outward expression of an inward declaration. You see, that moment of bowing was an expression on the outside of what she had already declared in her heart, that he was the Son of God, that he was the Savior of the world, that he was the way, the truth, the life, that he was the answer, and that he was the hope. And when she came into his presence, she began to bow and lower herself to him. You see, worship is to minimize me and maximize Jesus. That's what worship really is. Many of us get uncomfortable when it comes to the topic or the expression of worship. But worship is literally placing minimal value on myself and putting maximal value on who Jesus is. It is submitting myself to Him. It is acknowledging Him. It is honoring Him. Now many of you have been raised in different churches maybe. You've had different church experiences. You've seen different expressions of worship. I personally have seen it all. I was raised in a Pentecostal church. It was nothing in our church to get up Just run around the room. I've seen people run around the church. I've seen people literally run outside of the building. Like their worship couldn't be contained in the worship experience. They left the building, ran down the street. True story. I've seen people get excited in worship and the chairs or the pews back in the day didn't get in their way. They just ran across the top of them. Jesus walked on water, but these people, they walked on the pews. I mean, I've seen it all. I've been in environments where worship is, is very, uh, it's, it's very um, formal, where people just stand very quietly, very reverently, where people begin to kneel and people begin to stand, where people begin to say certain things together in unison. I've been in environments where no music was used at all. It was just a cappella singing. I've been in about every environment you can imagine when it comes to an expression of worship. Now, you may be asking yourself, out of all of that, out of all the flavors that are out there, which one is right? And the answer is, really, none of them are right. You see, there's not a wrong way to express your worship. God deserves the love and the appreciation. He deserves the honor that we would magnify Him and minimize ourselves. You see, whatever your expression of worship, you need to know that you're giving Him the best of what you have and thanking Him and honoring Him and loving Him. Just as this woman came and she knelt at His feet weeping, she was giving something to the Lord. 
She was opening herself up in an intimate way to begin to worship and honor the Lord. But I want to warn you about something. Worship is not just about the outward expression. You see, you can actually bow externally and be boastful internally. In other words, our worship can just become a motion. It can just become a movement. It can just become something we do without the heart attachment to it. And so I want to encourage you to be careful who gets your bow. See, the enemy every day wants to get your bow. He wants us to love everything more and worship everything more than we would worship the Lord. He wants us to worship our money. He wants us to worship our jobs. He wants us to worship ourselves and our self-pleasure and our self-gain. He wants us to have every priority in our life to be something other than the priority of Jesus in our life. Be careful who gets your bow. Listen, when you come into an atmosphere of worship, you need to know that you're giving God your absolute best. Worship should be a daily expression to the Lord. Worship should not just be a Sunday moment where we come together and, and that we do a thing on a Sunday morning, but worship should be from the moment I get up. It's a lifestyle that we live. Worship is not a song that I sing. It is a life that I live. Worship is not a genre of music. Worship is not a few minutes on a Sunday morning, but it is a daily lifestyle expression of our love and appreciation and honor that we would give to the Lord, that we would worship Him and bow down to Him. Honor, respect, appreciation, reverence to say, Jesus, I'm going to maximize you and I'm going to minimize me. Worship is bowing. Number two, worship is serving. Listen to what the Bible says in Luke 7, 38. It says, her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. As this woman came and out of an expression of appreciation and worship, her outward sign of an inward declaration that she would bow down at the feet of Jesus. And with the tears, she begins to wash his feet and wipe them off with her hair. You see, that's a weird moment right there which makes many of us uncomfortable. You see, she could have simply said, hey, I need a towel. I need a jar of water. I'm going to clean the feet of Jesus. You see, back in the day, when they would walk into a house, the lowliest of servants would be there at the front door to take a jar of water, they would take a towel, and they would wipe off the feet of those coming into the home. They wore sandals everywhere they went. Their feet were very dirty. They were dusty. They were muddy. Sometimes they stepped in uh, things that animals left behind. I mean, they had dirty feet, so it was the custom to wipe their feet, clean their feet, serve them as they walked into the room. Yet as Jesus is in this environment, invited to this home as the guest of honor to be served a meal and to spend time, no one bothered to even do the most elementary act of service and wash his feet. How many of us come to an environment and every day we live our life with the Son of God sitting in our presence and with us, yet we forget to even clean the feet of Jesus. But not this woman. She didn't forget about it. She didn't even need a towel. She didn't even need a jar of water. She used the very tears that flowed out of her love and appreciation for who the Savior of the world is in Jesus and took her hair and brought it down and began to dry the feet of Jesus. 
Now, this woman to loosen her hair and to bring it down and to begin to move in an intimate act of washing the feet of Jesus, it would have been scandalous. It would have been a big deal that this woman was breaking all the rules at this dinner, yet she was determined that she was going to serve Jesus in washing his feet. When I grew up in church, we had what we called foot washings. And these would be like special Sunday night services where we would come together and the men would divide to a room and the ladies would divide to a room and they would have foot washing. They would actually wash each other's feet. I'm sure it was one of the most lowest attended uh, nights of the year when people were washing each other's feet. But it was a gesture to show the servanthood and the appreciation of your brothers, of your sisters, of your family, your church family. It was a moment to say, I'm going to submit myself and I'm going to lower myself so that I can serve you. See, every time that you do something in serving other people, or every time that you give your life away in generosity, in your time, and you do something that builds someone else up, you are serving Jesus. And that is an act of worship. In Cultivate Church, every time you park a car, every time you uh, smile at someone, you wave at someone, you open a door for someone, every cup of coffee that is prepared, every song that is played, every bit of media that is touched, every room that is cleaned, every child that is taught, every person that is ministered to and served and loved, you are serving Jesus. Jesus taught us that what you do for one and what you do for the other, you are doing for Him. Every act of service that I give with my life, it's not only serving or impacting the people that are arounding me, but it is literally living a life of worship that is honoring the Lord, that I would take my life and I would bow it down and that I would use everything I have, the tears, my hair, whatever resource God has given me, that I would use it to make a difference in the lives of people by serving, therefore giving my worship, my honor, my love and my appreciation to God. That's what worship is. You serve, and when you serve, it surpasses your surroundings. Your serve expands eternity. It's important. Let me say it again. Your serve surpasses your surroundings. Your serve expands eternity. When you serve one, and when you serve those around you, when you give away, when you give your time, you're serving Jesus. I want to ask you a question today. What would Jesus say about you and what you do with what he's given to you? You see, Jesus began to speak to him. He said, you didn't clean my feet when I came in here. And sure, she came down and, and she washed my feet and she dried them with her hair, but you didn't even bother. You didn't even notice that when I came in the door that there was dirt on my feet and that I would need to be served and that even the lowliest of the low would receive such a blessing. Yet I'm the Son of God, and you didn't even think to honor me in that way. Today, would Jesus say about what you have and the life you live, is it a life of worship? Is there a life of bowing where we have an expression of worship through maybe singing, through maybe lifting our hands, through maybe uh, bowing down before the Lord? What is your expression of worship and appreciation what would he say about your life of serving in the way that you love other people and you serve the Lord through the things that you do? That's what worship is. And then number three, worship is kissing. Worship is kissing. It's very intimate. 
Notice what happened. Then she kept kissing his feet. You see this lady kissing the feet of Jesus. Uh, It would have been shocking as well to have bowed down, begin to clean his feet with her tears, dry them with her hair, and then to begin to kiss his feet. It was a shocking moment. I mean, they're all watching what's happening. And they're probably appalled by this woman who has made her way into this dinner uninvited, and she is literally breaking all of the rules. It's a shocking moment. But Jesus said, hey, look, you didn't even greet me with a kiss when I came in. It was customary back in the day, like you and I would shake hands. It was customary that they would greet each other with a kiss. Now, we don't do that these days, so don't get in my space bubble. Don't pop my bubble. I don't need a kiss from you unless you're my wife or unless you're my son. Just back up. Don't need that happening. But in this day, it was customary. It was customary for someone to come and to greet them with a kiss. And Jesus says, I was invited into your presence. You asked me to come here. You prepared a meal for me to come here. Yet you have not done one thing to honor me since I've arrived in this room. You didn't, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't dry my feet. You didn't greet me with a kiss. Yet this woman, whom all of you are shocked, all of you are a little appalled, all of you are kind of looking down your nose at this lady, she has done all of those things. She has bowed to me. She has begun to serve me. And now, in an intimate expression, she is kissing me. The very Greek definition of worship means to kiss literally means it's an expression of a kiss. That when you come before the Lord, that there is an intimacy in your relationship with Him. How do you do that? One thing in giving that affection is through obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. There is nothing greater than an expression of obedience. You see, my son, I love my son, and I love when he is kind to me and he says sweet things to me and he has all the expression. I appreciate the expression. But there is nothing greater that my son can do than just walk in obedience. And when he walks in obedience, when he does what I ask him to do, when I don't have to continually prompt him to do the right thing and he just walks in obedience, it wants me to bring blessing to him more than when I have to continually correct him in his life. There is nothing greater than when he is walking in obedience. And so I would encourage you that even today, how do I express this intimacy with Jesus? It's obedience. If you love him, then you will obey him. It's one of the greatest, most intimate acts that you can do in your relationship with Jesus. Today, ask yourself this question, what is he asking you to do? What is the act of obedience that maybe is missing in your life that he needs from you? Maybe after you said yes to Jesus, you were never baptized. Baptism is a first step. It's a first act of obedience. It's what He asks us to do. There's so many areas of your life that you can walk in obedience. Your worship, the affection you bring. Now look, I understand worship is different for everybody and expression is different than everybody. You can come into church and you have all different kinds of people. Even in a Sunday in our church in a moment of worship, there's some people, you know, they'll just stand before the Lord and they look miserable. But that toe down there is just dancing. It's just excited. And you would not know in their face that there's any excitement or enjoyment of the moment. 
except for that foot is tapping and it's moving and they're having the best time in the world. For some people, it is literally a moment just to kneel before the Lord, to get down and to just acknowledge God in your bow. Some people will lift hands as just a sign of surrender, to say, God, I surrender to you, I love you, and I want to appreciate you. God, I just want you to know that you are number one in my life. I want to magnify you and minimize me. Your worship and the way that you express it, the intimacy that you have with the Lord, it matters to Him. In serving people, it's an intimate way that you can honor the Lord. The things you do for people is also what you are doing for God. Worship, it's not just a genre of music. It's not just a few moments together that we spend on a Sunday. It's a daily lifestyle. It's a, it's a position of bowing before the Lord with your life. It is serving those who are around you as you serve the Lord. It is the intimacy of kissing the Lord to say, God, I want to give you everything that you deserve. I want to go beyond the surface level. I want to go beyond just the things that I do, but I want to really understand it. I want to be intimate in a relationship with you. And then the last one I'll give you is worship is giving. Worship is giving. Notice the last thing that happens here. And putting perfume on them. So from the moment this woman walks in, she goes straight to Jesus. She doesn't acknowledge anyone else in the room. She doesn't say a word, but she changes the environment. Going straight to Jesus, she bows at his feet. Weeping, she begins to wash his feet and then dries it with her hair. And then once his feet are clean and the feet are dry, she begins to show her worship through kissing his feet, an intimate expression. And then the Bible says that she begins putting perfume on his feet. You see, the perfume was both uh, expensive, it was rare, it was precious, because it's a year's wage is what is said that this perfume would have cost. An entire year's wage. One person, the median wage of Shelby County, Alabama is $35,000. So you're thinking about maybe a $35,000 jar of perfume that is poured on the feet of Jesus. All the people watching are, uh, they're frustrated, they're mad, they think she's being wasteful, they think she poured it out and could have been used for something else, she could have sold that perfume, given it away to the poor, that's a lot of resource, it's a lot of money, it's worth a whole lot. Why are you wasting it on the feet of Jesus? Why? Because you're giving, your generosity is an act of worship. Was it wasted? Is what you have and the resources that you have, is it wasted when you give it to Jesus? Is it wasted when you do what God's called you to do with it and you're generous and you begin to build the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of earth in your life? She understood the worship of giving. Could it have been used for something else? Absolutely. Did she not need it? Of course she did. But was Jesus worth more than what she had planned? Absolutely. Was Jesus worth more than the value of the perfume that she used? Absolutely. Did Jesus deserve all that she had as she gave of herself? Absolutely. Because Jesus was the answer. Jesus was the hope. Jesus was the most valuable thing. She recognized it and everyone else missed it. Giving is an act of worship. We talk about this a lot at Cultivate Church because it matters. We talk about the tithe 
A tithe is 10% of whatever you have, of whatever resource you have, and that tithe, that 10% is an act of worship. You see, it already belongs to God. It is already His. It is not ours. It's not ours to give it away. No, it belongs to Him. So out of obedience and out of worship, I am just returning it to Him. Then your offering, that's anything that's above your tithe. That is what belongs to you. And that is giving it away. That is generosity. It is worship. Your time and your talent, all of those are things that you can give away. And it is an act of worship. Worship should be the life that we live. Worship should be who we are, not just what we do. I want to encourage you today to understand worship. Worship is not music. Worship is not just singing. Worship is not just a Sunday thing. Worship is the expression of your life. It's living in a position of bowing yourself before the Lord to honor Him and to acknowledge Him and to magnify Him and minimize you. It's the act of worship, the life that is bowed down, not bowing to the world, not bowing to the enemy, not bowing to culture, but being bowed before the Lord. It is literally serving Him. It is serving Jesus. It is being bowed down to lower yourself down and serve Him and serve others so that you can lift Him up while lifting others. It is the intimacy of kissing Him, going beyond the surface level and getting into an intimate relationship with Jesus. Worship is giving, giving everything you have, giving all that you are so that you can give it away. Today, I want to encourage you to get in rhythm of worship in your life. Let it be a daily process that you begin to worship the Lord. How do you do that? Well, you have to have intimacy with God. This woman who walked in, she wasn't concerned about everybody else. She wasn't concerned about the environment. She wasn't concerned about her surroundings. She was literally concerned about Jesus. He was the primary focus of her heart and of her actions. And today, I would say that if Jesus is not number one in your life, that's where you begin. Maybe you start by saying today, Jesus, I need a relationship with you, and I need you to be the central focus of my life. Maybe you're watching today, and, and you've just let other things begin to take priority in your life, and the rhythm or the beat is off. You're just out of rhythm of worship in your life. And today is a great day and a great moment to readjust and say, God, help us to realign our heart, realign our motive, and put you first in a heart of worship. So Jesus, I pray for all of my friends today who are watching. I pray for any of us who do not have a relationship with you. I pray that you'd forgive us of our sin. I pray today that you would just, um, God, that you would just set us free of all the things that we've done. We understand We've done life our own way, and today we need you above all. So thank you for forgiving us today. Jesus, we choose to put you first. And I pray for any of us who have just gotten out of rhythm, that our worship and a lifestyle of worship has not been what you desire for it to be. Maybe we have maximized ourselves and minimized you. So today, I just pray that we continue to put you back in your proper place, put you number one, maximize you, minimize us. Live a life of bowing and of serving and the intimacy of kissing and the joy of giving. That's worship. Living a life on purpose, sold out and dedicated to you. 
We love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done in our heart today to encourage us to get in the rhythm of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.